0: Hello there, and welcome to episode number 88 of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. All right, so in this week's episode, we're going to discuss injury updates involving Nate Pearson, Tim Meza, uh, Kevin Gosman's most recent start struggles he endured with his splitter, what might be going wrong with him. Uh, then we're going to dive into Jose Barrios and his mirror opposite performance from Kevin Gosman where Barrios looked fantastic the best he has throughout the entire season we're going to dive into his numbers his performance what's changed and whether or not it's sustainable and then finally along those same lines we're going to dive into the Blue Jays offense and how it's resurged uh, lately and re-emerged offensively especially from a slugging standpoint we're going to dive into the numbers who's been leading the charge um, so far and uh, and then we're going to dive into the schedule ahead so let's not waste any time and get right into it okay so let's get through the injury updates first and we're going to start with Nate Pearson who has really been working his way back over the last two three months um after dealing with mono back in spring training um and having to be shut down due to that issue um but now here we are early June and uh Nate Pearson is still a ways away um but he's he's certainly making progress um he's now up with the Buffalo Bisons in AAA uh he made his first appearance with the Bisons, uh, this past week, it was supposed to be on June 1st, but due to a rainout, Pearson had to have his appearance pushed Thursday, um, and in that game, he, he threw a couple of innings, faced seven batters, allowed one hit, which was a home run, um, one walk, and he struck out a pair as well, um, you know, not a, not a terrible start. or not a terrible uh appearance for his first um outing with the Bisons you know um would have been nice if he didn't give up a home run right um but at the same time you don't really hold strong with minor league results when a player is on a rehab assignment you just want to make sure that they're getting their work in they're throwing their pitches um and that they're, they're healthy. And so far that's been the case for Pearson. Um, and he's slowly starting to build up as well, right? Like in his first uh, minor league appearance, which was in Dunedin with the Blue Jays on May 26th, uh, he won an inning in two-thirds. And now he's gone two innings. So he's slowly starting to build up. Um, and he's not going to be built up as a starter. Not at this point of the season. It's, it's a little too late for that. But... Um, You know, especially because there is a clearer path for Pearson back to the majors through uh, out of the bullpen. So, you know, having him maintain this role as a multi-inning reliever will help him get back to the majors faster. And, you know, at the same time, too, it allows both the Blue Jays and now the Bisons to control his outings much more than they'd be able to if he was a starter. Now that they can control what situation he's being put into, what the score is, who's coming up um, in the lineup, um, and you you, you don't have to worry about taking him out prematurely because he's coming in as a reliever rather than a starter. So you're not expecting him to go you know, four or five innings. It's just right now, it, it, it's really just a couple of innings and ultimately that's what, it, that's what it'll be at the major league level as well. Um, but it, it's good to see him healthy still and uh, and continuing to make progress. I believe right now with the program that he's on, he's getting about five days of rest in between appearances. So if that holds true here Um, Pearson would be lined up to pitch on Wednesday for the Bisons assuming again there's no rain out Um, but we'll have to wait and see on that front but another pitcher who's worth keeping an eye on um, down with the Bisons is Tim Meza who has been working his way back from a forearm injury and you know late last week he was, he threw a bullpen session at the Rogers Centre, and, uh, and it, 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 I mean, the results weren't great, because, you know, Bradley Zimmer ultimately took him deep in that bullpen session, but again, it's a bullpen session, you're not, you're not worrying about the results, um, you just want to make sure that, uh, that the pitcher is healthy, and then he doesn't, you know, suffer any setbacks regarding his injury, and, and uh, thankfully... It, it seems as though Tim Mays is turning a corner on this injury. And as a result of that, he's been sent, on, sent out on a rehab assignment where he's scheduled to throw on Tuesday for the Bisons. So, you know, it seems as though we could see Tim Mays pitching for the Bisons on Tuesday and then having Nate Pearson do the same thing for Buffalo The next day. So uh, if you have some time this week. You know Tuesday, Wednesday. Those might be some days where you should probably. Along with watching the Blue Jays. Keep an eye on the Bisons as well. Especially with the Blue Jays. um, Heading off to the central time zone. Their games are going to be a little bit later. um, Early this week. Especially when they're in Kansas City. I believe all three of their uh, games are eight p.m. Eastern start times, so, you know, you got an hour in between, uh, you know, when when the Bisons would play in comparison to when the Blue Jays play, so uh, just something to keep in mind as we move along, but uh, it seems as though uh, Mesa may only need one or two rehab appearances before he would be able to rejoin the Blue Jays, Um, ideally it's a one and done type thing for Mesa, but obviously, um, they're going to play that by year and see how he feels after his, uh, first outing on Tuesday before making any further decisions. But, um, you know, the Blue Jays after facing Kansas City are going to be in Detroit later this week. So you know, it would be great to have him back for that Detroit series, um, you know, especially given the current state of the Blue Jays bullpen, right? Uh, last week, they DFA Ryan Barucki, and then, you know, they ultimately are able to trade him to Seattle for a, a minor league infielder. So, you know, right now, the Blue Jays are only carrying one lefty in their bullpen, and that's Andrew Vasquez. And, uh, you know, he's, he's had some nice moments. There's no doubt about that um, so far this season. I've liked what I've seen from his uh, curveball so far. But at the same time as well, um, you know, it's not ideal Obviously, having Vasquez is as your only lefty in the bullpen. So the sooner Timesa can return, the better, obviously, for the Blue Jays. Uh, and, and hopefully that comes either you know later this week or early next week. But fingers crossed, it really seems like Tameza could return very, very soon for the Blue Jays, which is great. Now... Let's jump ahead, or fast forward here to Sunday's finale against the Minnesota Twins. And let me first say, too, what a weird series between the Blue Jays and the Twins. You know, you have Minnesota extremely shorthanded for numerous reasons. You know, like Carlos Correa is on the COVID IL. Um, You know, they don't have... One of their top young players and Royce Lewis, who's injured. Um, you know, they had four players placed on the restricted list due to their vaccination statuses. You know, like, just extremely, extremely shorthanded. And yet the Twins are able to win two out of three games against the Blue Jays. Like, just... Baseball is so weird, you know? Like, obviously the games aren't played on paper, but... You look at that matchup heading into the series, like you think the Blue Jays can easily win two out of three games. You know, you got Kevin Gosman on the mound for the finale, we're going to get into his performance in a little bit here. Jose Barrios on Saturday, and uh, Yusei Kikuchi in the opener on Friday. You know, you just, the way that's shaping out, you, you would hope the Blue Jays win two out of three games. And the only game they end up winning is the one that Brio starts, who's probably been their worst starter this season, at least statistically speaking. Um, it's just what a what a turn of events, right? But back to Gosman here because you know he experienced probably his worst start with the Blue Jays. Um, he only went three and two thirds and he allowed nine hits five runs three earned um, he only had three strikeouts and uh, you know only induced eight whiffs as well and, and for Gosman that's fairly low um, for his standards at least he you know most of the time he's in double digits um, you know but but that wasn't the case on Sunday. and Granted, too, he got a little snake-bitten early on by some defensive miscues, and it, it really, you know, it made very little sense to me with the way they happened, because first you have Teoscar Hernandez unable to catch a routine fly ball in right field because he loses the ball in the sun. And to me, it's like... You're playing an afternoon game. The dome is open. Even though it was a little overcast on Sunday, you have to at least think that you're going to be having your sunglasses at least out there with you. At the very least, sitting on top of your hat. And so, for the Blue Jays' entire defense to start the game without any sunglasses on, on a day that was fairly bright on Sunday, was baffling to me. And it, it cost them, because, you know, there was the error from Teoscar, and then later in the inning, you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. unable to catch a pop-up in foul territory. Again, because he lost the ball in the sun, Without his sunglasses on. And before you know it. The Twins scored three runs. In that inning. So. The Blue Jays were already off. To a bad start. Because of their defense. Which didn't help Kevin Gosman at all. Because. He wasn't as lethal as we've come to see him to be and the main reason behind that was because his splitter wasn't effective as it's been at any point earlier this season and you know I don't know if Kevin Gosman was tipping his pitches there's certainly an argument to be made that he was um you know, Joe Siddle on the broadcast picked it up beautifully, um, saying that Gosman was doing a little bit something different with his glove and his pitch hand as well, the way he was releasing the ball um, early in his delivery. And it was evident, too, that the Twins knew more often than not when his splitter was coming because they refused to swing at it, especially in two-strike counts. And two strike counts. They were spitting on it all day long. And we have not seen that. We've rarely seen that. um, From hitters this season. And so because of that. Gossman barely used his splitter. On Sunday. He only threw it 19 times. Which rounded out to just a 22% usage. And without a doubt. That's the lowest of the season for him, and in comparison, like he threw his four-seamer 56 times, which came out to a 64% usage. That's the highest he has ever used his fastball this season, and you know he put a little extra on it too because his fastball uh, velocity was was ticking up as well on Sunday, and. and Some of that may have been due to some frustration or just the fact that he knew his fastball needed to be better because the twins were taking away his best pitch which is the splitter so you know like gosman's fastball is maxing out at like 99 98 like we haven't seen that from him at all this season his fastball usually sits around 95 96 um you know top out at 97 but you know it was explosive at 98 and 99 um, but still the twins were, were smacking his fastball a lot. Um, you know, like, and also it, it's not a swing and miss pitch. Like he got, he induced 70, there 37 swings on his four seamer, but only got four whiffs. And in comparison, like he got six swings on his splitter, which is crazy in itself to only get six swings on your splitter. Uh, and got three whiffs along with it. Um, but, you know, there, there's more to this than just chalking it up to just one start, you know, saying that the twins are an outlier on this and somehow got him good. No, this is, this is more than just one occurrence. Um, and let me provide some context here too. So this isn't the first time this season that Gosman has generated very few whiffs on his splitter. Now, it's the first time it's generated as few as three. But two previous times this season, he's induced just five whiffs on his splitter. Once came on May, 5th, May 18th against the Seattle Mariners, which is notable too, because they did a very good job at laying off his splitter. And then on May 7th, against the Cleveland Guardians, they also did a really good job of not swinging at Gosman's splitter. And then we also saw on April 21st where the Boston Red Sox didn't swing and miss a ton at Gosman's splitter, and that's when he had to um, rely a little bit more on his slider. And it was a good thing he did because it was really working for him on that day, and that played into it a little bit as well. Um, you know, where he was having all three pitches work for him on that day. Um, but I also. I kind of want to point out, too, that, you know, Gosman hasn't um, really hasn't been able to string together, at least lately, consecutive starts where the opposing team has been fooled by his splitter. Like we saw it in April, right, where, you know, through his first two starts. With the Blue Jays, he induced a combined 24 whiffs on his splitter. And then in back to back starts from April 26th to May 1st, he generated a combined 28 whiffs on his splitter. But then we get into May, and you have on May 7th just five whiffs. And then May 13th, you got 10. And then May 18th against the Mariners, you've got just five. And then, you know, he has a really good start on the 24th against the Cardinals where, you know, he he throws six innings, gets eight strikeouts overall, um, five of which was was with his splitter. He got 13 whiffs on the day. Um, And last time out against the White Sox, you know, again, he wasn't as sharp. He actually gave up a home run in that outing. Um, only pitched five innings. The White Sox really made him work. Uh, they fouled off some really tough pitches, but again, he only got eight whiffs on his splitter. So, you know, like this is, this is something that Kevin Gosman and, and Pete Walker need to continue to look at here. Um... You know, because when Kevin Gosman doesn't, or when Kevin Gosman can't induce high amounts of swing and misses with his splitter, he's not the same guy, and understandably so, right? Um, But it seems as though, too, they've already, Pete Walker and, and the Blue Jays pitching, or coaching staff, They've already started to make adjustments like throughout the season with Kevin Gosman. Um, and, and most of them have been trying to hide the ball a little bit more effectively. Like, um, you know, Chris Black, who's a producer from Sportsnet, did a phenomenal breakdown uh, after the game regarding Kevin Gosman's delivery and, and some of the adjustments he's made in season so far. And one of the points he made was that Kevin Gosman is holding his glove and his arms much lower and tighter to his body now. Um, And did a little side-by-side clip as well where he showed on the left Gosman's first start with the Blue Jays, which was against the Rangers, where his splitter was really effective then. But you can see his glove and, and his arms are above his belt. And, you know, if you're looking at second base, you can really see exactly how he's gripping the ball, what pitch he's planning to throw. And then you see a comparison on the right from Gosman's latest start against the Twins where, you know, he's holding his glove in his arms tight to his body, below his belt, just trying to, you know, hide the pitch a little bit better. Um, But the biggest point that he made And it's a very slight thing that Kevin Gosman's doing. But it might be enough to tip off hitters. And it's that he's sticking his glove hand out a little bit more when he's about to throw his splitter. Just so I guess he has more room in his glove to get that grip that he needs for his splitter. But you can tell it's a very, very fine difference. But his glove sticks out more when he's throwing his splitter compared to when he's throwing his fastball. And for hitters at the plate, that's a difference if you notice it enough, can tip you off on when Gosman's throwing his splitter. And you know, given how much the Twins were able to lay off Gosman's splitter, like they didn't even flinch at it during two strike counts most of the time on Sunday. And his pitch, his splitter is so good that hitters shouldn't be able to do that unless Gosman's tipping them off. And, you know, the, uh, Gosman didn't admit to that after the game, but he was frustrated that he wasn't as effective um, as he's been, you know, previously. So it'll be really interesting to see what adjustments further to, to what they've already made. Um... Next time out when Gosman throws. Um, you know, he's not scheduled to pitch in the series against the Royals. So next time he'll throw will be in that uh, Tiger series that begins on Friday, I believe. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see whether or not that small little detail with Gosman's glove is something the Blue Jays pick up on. And ultimately change a little bit like it really reminds me um, from a year a few years back when Jay Hap was still with the Blue Jays and he didn't hold his glove the same way as Gosman it was more in front of his face but he would move his glove a different way when he would throw one of his off-speed pitches and hitters picked up on that and the Blue Jays ultimately had to help him make a slight adjustment. So, you know, maybe that's something the Blue Jays have to do with Gosman here to help him hide his splitter, his splitter, a little bit more effectively, so it doesn't throw off the opposition on when he's or, or tip them off when he's about to throw it. Um, but you know, give Gosman credit. You know, like, had he not have um, had the Blue Jays not committed those two errors in the first inning, like, you know he probably would have been able to gut out, you know, four, maybe five innings without having his best weapon. You know, that's, that's, uh, you know, very, very impressive to be able to gut through an outing like that, um, you know, when, when the other team is is laying off your, your best pitch like they were. Um, and it, it speaks volumes about, you know, how good his fastball is. Um, you know, like when Gosman is able to locate his four seamer at the top of the zone effectively, it sets up everything else beautifully, right? Most of the time, at least. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be very, very interesting to see how Gosman performs against the Tigers and whether or not, uh, he makes some, some subtle adjustments in between starts. Um, now on the other hand, Jose Barrios excelled in his latest start for the Blue Jays. Um, And for context here, too, um, in his latest outing, or sorry, not his latest outing, his previous outing in Los Angeles against the Angels, Barrios was dealing with some dead-arm Issues, which is basically just fatigue in your shoulder, um, where you just you don't have that strength for whatever reason. Um, most of the time, it's due to fatigue, and it seems like that's probably that was probably the case for Barrios. Um, but his velocity was down across the charts regarding all of his pitches: his four-seamer, his curveball, his changeup, his two-seamer. The velocity was all down uh, a couple ticks, but they increased back up during his most recent start against the twins and another note too is that the spin rate on all four of his pitches increased dramatically as well um up to the point where they were career highs for the most part across the board especially involving his you know curveball slash slider if you want to call it a slurve i like to um but that really helped him perform effectively against the twins where he threw seven innings allowing just three hits two runs two walks and striking out a new career high 13 strikeouts um it was just a fantastic performance from jose barrios um you know he also induced 19 whiffs on the day eight with his slurve Eight with his two-seamer, a trio with his changeup. Um, now, granted, too, he still gave up a lot of hard contact. You know, like let's not forget, he did give up a home run uh, early on in the game. And you know, overall, like the exit velocity against on his changeup was ninety, or his curveball, his slurve, if you will, was ninety-six miles per hour. The exit velocity against on his four-seamer was at ninety-eight miles per hour Um, so he's still giving up a lot of hard contact Um, but you know he was able to counteract that with how many swings and misses he was generating and I bring up the spin rates too because you know his slurve in particular is really effective when it's got a fairly decent uh spin rate and you know this season it's noticeably been down like overall um the spin rate average spin rate on his slurve, ranks in just the 20th percentile of the majors and a season ago it was in the 32nd um so you know it's it's not you know anywhere near tops in the majors but you know when you're dealing with that big of a drop regarding his spin rate on you know probably his best pitch I would say his slurve you know he uses it the most most of the time out of all of his pitches and he did so um, on Sunday where he used his slurve 34.4 percent of the time compared to his four-seamer which sat at 28.9 percent and that's been a big difference for him throughout this season as well is because you know he hasn't been able to control his slurve you know like he has in previous seasons especially when he came over to the Blue Jays uh, after the deadline last year his his slurve was working tremendously um, across the final two months of the season But so far this year, he hasn't really been able to locate that slurve effectively. And, you know, it makes sense given that... One, his release point has changed a little bit this season. Um, But two, that the spin rate on all of his pitches, but specifically... um, you know, his slurve, his best pitch, you know, that's really changed, um, or or, or did change during his most recent start, Um, which is very, very interesting to me, Um, you know, hopefully that continues or or stays the same moving forward, Um, because that version of Jose Barrios that we saw on Sunday, again, is the best we've seen all season from him. Even though he allowed a lot of hard contact. And that's not something that Jose Brios has really encountered at any point through his career in the majors. He's not someone who gives up a lot of hard contact. He's, some, he's someone who induces, um, you know, a decent amount of strikeouts and gets a lot of ground balls. And, you know, he didn't really get... He didn't really induce many softly hit ground balls on Sunday but it was you know really refreshing to see him induce that many swings and misses and that many strikeouts Um, and as he works through his mechanics here if he's able to still induce strikeouts he'll be effective and you know I, I have the utmost confidence in Barrios, that he will eventually figure this out, right? Like he's, his track record speaks for himself that, you know, he's someone that doesn't struggle with inducing strikeouts. He doesn't struggle with inducing softly hit ground balls previously to this year. That's not something where, you know, he hasn't been able to accomplish. So this was a nice, um, stepping stone for him Uh, it it, it was definitely very encouraging to see Jose Barrios take a step forward after you know really struggling through the first two months of this season Um, and it'll it'll be very interesting to see what his next start looks like Um, right now the Blue Jays pitching rotation is mapped out that's so you have Ross Stripling going in the opener against Kansas City on Monday and then you're going to follow that up with uh, Alec Manoa in game two of the series then you'll have Yusei Kikuchi coming around to finish things off which is an afternoon game by the way I messed up on that a little bit uh, to get away day for the Blue Jays even though they have a day off in between the series between Kansas City and Detroit um, and then you'll you're going to see Jose Barrios in the opener against the Tigers. Then the Blue Jays are going to uh, go back to Kevin Gosman in that afternoon game on the Saturday, which will be at 4 o'clock. Bit of a weird time, but, uh, you know, those, those two starts are definitely ones to circle. Um, you know, because it'll, it'll be certainly worth watching to see how both Barrios and Gosman perform in both of those games. Now, even though the rotation has struggled a little bit here lately, um, they've been picked up by the Blue Jays' offense lately, which is fantastic because we've been waiting weeks and months for the offense to start clicking like we thought they would out of the gate. Um and everyone's sort of starting to get hot at the right time, which is also something the Blue Jays have been waiting for to this date. Um, And it really started clicking in St. Louis, right? Where um, the Blue Jays kind of broke out all at once, and and it was kind of sparked by Danny Jansen's uh, multi-home run performance um, in that series. And and since um, the second game, of that series against the Cardinals. You know, the Blue Jays have had several uh, reliable contributors offensively. You know, you have at the top of the list, without a doubt, Alejandro Kirk, who has been on fire over his last eight games. During that span, he's hitting a monstrous... 464, a 531, a thousand slugging percentage. He's got four home runs, nine RBIs, a 536 ISO, a 409 BAP, a ridiculous 330 Way to Runs Creative Plus score, which, for context, you know, over his last 32 plate appearances and this is going to blow your mind. It's a small sample size, but it's going to probably blow your mind. Alejandro Kirk, during that span over his last 32 plate appearances, has been 230% better than league average. Yeah, soak that in a little bit. 230% better than league average. That's wild. Again, it's a small sample size, Right? Like, obviously, that's not sustainable over a larger span. But, like, this is one of the best stretches of his career. And he hasn't been playing in the majors for all that long. You know, like, he's hitting for contact, he's hitting for power. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he's walking more than he's striking out which he always does. He's got a 12.5% walk rate compared to just a 6.3% strikeout rate. And he's not the only hitter in this lineup right now that's walking more than he's striking out. Lerdes Guriel Jr. amazingly is doing a similar thing. He's got a higher walk rate than a strikeout rate at this point. He's performing to over his last 39 plate appearances to a 17.9% walk rate and a 15.4% strikeout rate. Now, he's not hitting for much power, right? He's just got a an 094 ISO and, uh, you know, a, a, a respectable 4.38 slugging percentage, but he is hitting for contact. Um, you know, he's, he's slashing a 3.44 average, a 4.23 BAP, Getting on base via 462 uh, on base percentage. He's got a 405 Woba, a 167 Way to Runs created Plus score. He's driving in runs, got eight ribbies during this recent stretch. Um, and you know, you can expand on that too. Gurriel Jr.'s plate discipline has been much improved this season. He's chasing less, he's walking more, he's striking out less. Um, you know he's swinging at more pitches in the zone like this is you know even though Gurriel isn't hitting for much power this season or hitting just in general much this season the fact that his plate discipline has improved like it has just suggests that he's sort of starting to evolve at the plate and we've kind of been waiting for that for a while from Guriel and uh, it's nice to see that it's finally coming around um, you know I hope it lasts throughout the entire season but you know in general too the Blue Jays have been a much more disciplined team lately and you know I've been demanding or not even I've been praying for that for weeks you know um you know I I, I wrote an article up for Jays Nation uh, probably a little bit a month ago about how the Blue Jays needed to improve their plate discipline while they were struggling offensively because that could help them manufacture runs, even when they're not slugging like they're expected to. And now they are doing both. they're they're heading for contact, they're hitting for power, they're getting their walks, they're not striking out a ton. like it, it's just been fantastic. The only caveat that I'll say here. Is Vladdy, right? Vladdy still isn't completely right at the plate, but he's making progress. He's certainly making progress. Um, you know, he, he's provided some pop for the Blue Jays over these last 10 games. You know, he's, he's got four home runs, um, he's performing to a 368 ISO, a 579 slugging um he's not hitting for contact right just a 211 average a 160 bap um you know just a 286 on base percentage a 360 woba um you know he, he's striking out more than he's walking like considerably uh to a 21.4 percent strikeout clip and and just a 9.5 percent walk rate um so that that is Worth, mention, worth mentioning, um, you know, being disciplined at the plate is still a bit of an issue for Vladi, um, and his p- pitch selection too, where, uh, you know, he, he, he's still not swinging at favorable pitches, you know, more often than not, he's swinging at pitcher's pitches, and, and, and what I mean by that is, um, when Vladdy gets ahead in the count, he should be reframing himself from helping pitchers out by swinging at at, at pitches that he isn't going to create a ton of damage against. You know, like there was a, a situation over the weekend where I believe it was like a 2-0 count. He had multiple runners on base, and he swung at a pitch belt high inside, and in, it induced a, a double play. And that's just, you're, you're not helping anybody out by doing that. And, you know, I know Vladdy's trying to swing his way out of this, right? Like, he's putting a little bit still at this point. He's still putting a little bit too much pressure on himself. Um, But at the same time, too, with the way Teoscar Hernandez is heating up, you know, like over his last nine games, he's hitting 382, 447, 647 slugging, uh, a, a 265 ISO, a 462 BAP, a 468 Woba. Uh, he's got a home run and six RBIs during this stretch. A 213 Way to Runs Create a Plus score. Like the way Teoscar is performing lately, Vladdy is going to start getting better pitches to hit, especially when there are runners on base. Like with when Springer and Bichette get on base in front of Vladdy and Teoscar, because Teo is hitting so well right now and Vladdy isn't like they're not going to start attacking Vladdy, obviously because you are kind of playing with fire if you do that but they're not going to try and pitch around Vladi as much because you don't want to put another runner on base in front of Teoscar Hernandez so you know eventually this is going to start going Vladdy's way you would think um but it this whole process will start to move a whole lot quicker if he improves further improves his plate discipline and his pitch selection and once that starts to happen we're going to see Vladdy start swinging at better pitches and not just mistakes cuz he he did inc- encounter a few mistakes um during this series against the Twins and the White Sox and obviously the Angels as well um but if, if those are two areas where he can improve, this breakout is going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, but at the same time, too, we got to keep in mind as well that Vladi is still fairly young, right? He, he's still learning how to um, perform, uh, enjoy sustainable results at the major league level. You know that's that's something he still has to work on at this early stage of his career and he'll find it I'm sure he will he's too talented not to it's just a matter of time before he starts putting it all together and you know for for everyone's sake we all hope that it happens sooner rather than later Um, you know especially with two underperforming teams I'll say I don't want to call them bad in the Royals and Tigers because they have some nice pieces on their roster, right? Especially the the Royals have some really nice young position players, Bobby Witt Jr. in particular. Um, But their rotation, it's been beaten up a little bit. And uh, with the Blue Jays offense rolling the way it is right now, uh, that, that certainly bodes well for them coming up here um so if they can get some length a little bit you know hopefully three innings uh, out of ross stripling and then the bullpen is able to hold it together but there will be less pressure on the pitching staff in the opener if the blue jays are able to provide them a significant amount of run support Um, and then you know you can comfortably bring in your high leverage guys when they're not just dealing with a one-run lead which has been the case for most of this season so far Um, so this is definitely a, a big stretch here coming up for the Blue Jays because you got the Royals for three games you got the Tigers for three games and then you get to come home and you finally get to face the Baltimore Orioles it's finally Toronto's turn to beat up on Baltimore. Now, the Orioles are a better team this year. No doubt. Their offense is, is a little bit better. The pitching staff still is miles and miles behind of just even league average. So, you know, but those are four winnable games for sure. And it, it's a big stretch too because after you face the Orioles, you got to f- welcome the Yankees to town for three games. So... Um, it would be nice to be able to continue these recent winning ways before the schedule start to get a little bit tougher again. Um, you know, it, it would be ideal for sure to win all three of these upcoming series here. Sweeps are just, you know, they're so difficult to accomplish in baseball, no matter what team you're facing. Um, especially when it spans across four games, like uh, completing a four-game sweep over the Baltimore Orioles, that is not going to be easy at all. But if you can win two out of three against Kansas City, two out of three against Detroit, three out of four against Baltimore, you're in really good shape heading into that three-game series against the Yankees. So um, I think that's that's probably the bar we need to set for this team moving forward over these next couple of weeks and uh, hopefully they deliver on it and stay healthy as well Uh, but that does it for this week's episode I hope all of you will join me next time for another edition of Blue Jays World Update but until that time I'm your host Thomas Hall and now you're up to date and remember please wear a mask wear it properly and get vaccinated thanks for listening